0: Shura. The Music Explorers podcast. All right. Welcome to Say Shura, the Music Explorers podcast. As always, I'm Scoop Magoo. I'm Elaine. So we have kind of a an open-ended topic that started via a text exchange and <laughs> it's based around the whole idea of the creative process and how that manifests in an artist's career as it progresses and, you know, whether or not some kind of self-doubt might um, might creep in, you know, how they approach, you know, a new album, you know, time and time again, you know, just just kind of an open-ended discussion of, of how an artist maintains that creative fire deeper into their career and it can go a number of different ways but um, I think the impetus for me is how I look at different artists who either do continue bringing that creative fire or stumble here and there and how that relates to me as a listener and kind of trying to trying to put my own thoughts into what might have happened and there there are a few examples that we've discussed that have led to this point. Um, yeah, like in a way, this could be considered sort of a sequel to our, like, bad music mm-hmm. episode, almost. I, I think, that specifically, this came from a text exchange about um, Disclosure, which is, is an artist you know, I'm more familiar with than Elaine is, and certainly enjoy more than Elaine does, but... I don't think I've ever listened to Disclosure, uh, to be totally fair. So, exactly. Um, but a great example we did talk about in that bad music episode were... Uh, or two were Shabazz Palaces and Danzig. And for me, I think Shabazz Palaces is a great example of it kind of over-ambition or being faced with... I mean, that was an example of, you know, two veteran hip-hop artists who it come from kind of a, a deep-cuts kind of band, Diggable Planets, and they struck fire with black i don't know if they expected to receive as much critical acclaim as they did and then being faced with what comes next you know and i've always been curious about that because if you look back to the early punk scene i think there's a great uh example of something my friend ryan talks about is that especially when you have early demos early eps you know for look at a band like minor threat for example Everything they had produced up to that point went into their early releases, you know. So they have some early demos you can listen to that eventually, when they release their official first two seven inches. And when you're early on in your career and you're just constantly touring, releasing demos, kind of refining your sound, um, and you see this with a lot of bands that reuse original material, you know, once they put out their official uh, full length, like they'll just re-record songs that were on their earlier um, demos, EPs, whatever. But then once it comes to that sophomore album, you don't have as much time to go into that. Because you put everything into your debut, now you have you know, some expectations for what that sophomore album might look like. So on the one hand, you might have a, a hardcore punk type experience where obviously Minor Threat went in a very different direction with their sophomore al- album. You have a band like Black Flag, obviously they've been around for a lot longer, but they went into a different direction. And then you have the flip side where bands go into the sophomore slump and I think it's it's interesting for us to posit why that might happen what goes into that period between um, the first and the second LP and then obviously every LP thereafter because there are plenty of bands you know we've talked we did a whole episode on Opeth where how their creative process totally went into left field um, after a certain part in their career
1: uh, I mean, I, I don't know if it's their creative process necessarily, but just the quality of their work, I guess, <laughs> took took a strange turn. Well, and so is, the, has yet to return.
0: Oh, for sure. But I think certainly part of it was their, you know, because if you ask him about you know, quote unquote, you know, leaving the metal out of their music, he's like, well, of course, we're still a metal band. And he he explained, you know, like, we sound like Cheer and you know, Deep Purple and stuff like that. You know, those are the See, metal bands I, I grew up with.
1: I, I, I guess I'm thinking uh, when I think of creative process, I, I think of like sort of how they're doing it and why they're doing it as opposed to what exactly they're doing.
0: If that makes any sense. Yeah, I don't think those are necessarily opposed. I mean, I mean, certainly, yeah. certainly uh, what what uh, went into their music, you know, on, on an album like Blackwater Park or Ghost Reveries is very different on Heritage, like how they approach yeah. their songcraft.
1: Yeah, I I, I just think like of just because I think there is sort of an underlying, you know, drive in an artist. And so, you know, that that I I think regardless of what you put out, it doesn't change. Like what what I mean is that, like, you know, you kind of need that fire to even have, you know, the balls to even put out something to, to like to begin with whether or not you know it's good or not um you know and i i think it's just i i i guess what i'm interested in, in this conversation is sort of where uh yeah like sort of what you're saying what, what happens when you know what what happens behind the scenes when we see these artists who we know are capable of amazing things put up stuff that in our eyes is less than amazing
0: yeah, and I think a core element of that, as I was thinking ahead of this conversation, is it's very much the expectations of you know mm-hmm. artists can definitely I mean part of his expectations of themselves and you know obviously the expectations of fans, critics, whatever, and I certainly don't think that artists necessarily owe their fans anything. Um, you know, they they obviously are their own you know, in charge of their own creative vision, their own creative process, but they certainly are not uh, it's impossible to completely ignore it. It's impossible to completely ignore, you know, what's successful, what's not, and you know, there's a human element to being an artist. You know, if you release an album and it's critically panned, I don't think you can totally ignore that. Like I, I don't think yeah. you, you you can't internalize that negativity to an extent and you know how that informs your creative process going forward, I guess it it that's why kind of where we went with our discussion of Shabazz Palaces is, is that, you know, are they just are they so deep in their creative process, are they entrenched in, you know, continuing to try different things and, and trying to get back to where they were? It's interesting to think about.
1: See, I, I think it's a matter of I, I don't know, I I think in a lot of like if we're talking about like these people who have the talent like Eminem always pops to my mind yeah um just you know like these guys putting out stuff that i i think it's more just like they aren't trying as much as like like i feel like that there's an element of that and i'm not saying it's it's conscious and I, I mean i i think it, it's worth you know saying right here though that You know, we don't know any of these people. It's not like we've, like, peered into their skulls. And, like, you know, these aren't, these really aren't even, like, theories that we're trying to apply to these direct arts. We're just, it's more like theories in general of what happens to artists over time. Mm -hmm. And sort of what can come in the way of the creative process. Because I, I consider the creative process sort of to be, like, in, you know, like it's, a delivery system i guess is is maybe the best way to describe it it's, it's it, like i i think that when it's whole but like, like you know when it's unfettered you know you you get you know a black up you get earth ad or you know what have you you get marshall mathers lp you know so but when other elements come into play and start dampening it in different ways it's it's that's that's when things start to kind of, you know, slide around and get a little wishy-washy. And I think just a big part of that is, you know, I, I think self-doubt in relation to sort of what you're doing. Uh, you know, I, I think it's that, but, you know, with, you know, your friend, yeah, so Ryan brought up that theory about sort of how you're, you're sort of putting everything into your initial album. I orient to your initial work mm-hmm. you know, and then i i i feel like there's there's definitely something there,
0: yeah, because there's there's yeah. no well i mean it depends like let's say you've you've featured on like I would say that an art artist we always say we're not going to bring him up, but And artists like Kanye West, I think think there was some expectation there because he was known, you know, well-known producer working with Jay-Z. So when he produced his debut, I think there was some level of expectation there. So it's not, you know, this isn't, it's not universal truth. But I think for the majority of artists, they're, you know, when they break onto the scene, so to speak, you know, their debut is 100% what they were creating, was 100% what, you know, what they wanted to say in a vacuum, because they aren't really known that well on the bigger stage, you know. I, and again, so, that, that's not a universal truth, but I think
1: yeah, I, I almost can I like interject here for a second and yeah. just put in like I almost want to put in put the, that in different words almost because I see it as like they're throwing that they, they're trying anything they want like it's, yeah they the, 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 they're unfettered by the you know like by the wants and desires of others and you know like like they haven't they haven't felt that success yet so they're throwing literally everything at the wall and seeing what sticks and I I think honestly that that is where true art is made of of just that kind of that saying I don't give a fuck yeah and just fucking doing it um like part of the reason I was thinking about this more and more over the past couple of weeks was because um I recently read a uh, biography of Captain Beefheart mhm and just the way he created things, you know, he was just, like, just so singular. Like, he, he knew what he wanted, and he got it done. You know, and whether whether you like those results or not, I, I, I think, you know, is, you know, up to you. But, like, it's it's his vision. He's, th- he's really, he's trying, he's doing exactly what he wants. Like, he's not letting other people's opinions come into play, really, mm-hmm. with these albums. And I'm not even just talking about, like, Trout Mask Replica. I'm talking about, like, even, like, the the so-called, like, the bad albums that have shown up in his career. Like, um, I think Spotlight Man, if I remember right, are, uh, is, is considered, like, one of his worst. Like, he has a few albums where he gets, like, more traditionally bluesy. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, people fucking hated those for some reason. And, you know, I, I mean, I can sort of see why. Like, you know, I after, after you know, trout mask and after like, lick my decals off. You know, it, it's it's like how, what like, how is it even possible to go back to normality? Um, but I I think like, I think there's sort of a creative, you know, vision there that he you know it's it's, he's listening to himself in a way. And and just sort of following. Where that's going. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to say that Beefheart had, you know, always had this with him because I think there were some albums that, you know, um, I think he, the management he was under at the time was, they, they were pretty bad to him and things mm-hmm. like that. So mm-hmm. I think at some points he just stopped trying, you know?
0: Yeah. Like and, exactly and
1: what we're talking about here. Yeah. So.
0: Th- that is a huge, you know, that is a huge um, factor that, mm-hmm. I feel like we don't hear about it as much anymore only because the way that labels and artists interact has changed quite a bit, especially, Mm -hmm. you know, artists that, you know, take the reins themselves and, you know, release their music independently or, um, you know, are more comfortable. Or, I mean, I feel like even labels have, have loosened a little bit because I think since it is relatively, you know, a lot easier, a lot less expensive to produce an album especially if you don't have to do a physical run um, it's labels are more likely to take chances um, but I also I, I think it depends on the label sure no it, it definitely I mean the, the more you get up to the you know the Warner Bros and the you know the big dogs they certainly I think are still do, do, do we, most of people, like, they, they're still dumping, like, billions of dollars into their artists. Yeah, thing. and they're, they're definitely... Like the, the really high-level ones. Yeah, anyway. they're they're definitely more cautious about how much they want to invest. Uh, but I think it's easier than ever to start a label and just start a band, frankly, and to, to get yourself out there. I mean, you know, before it was, you know, a pretty arduous task doing, you know every meal, marketing recording all that stuff now it's, I mean, it's y- a lot y- you
1: kind of still have to do that you, know, you have to do it but it's it, a lot it's just it's, it's more centralized around the internet now so yeah. it's not as yeah it's, it's definitely not as difficult to kind of book things and you know do it you know all that crap
0: for sure like i mean before you you had to like i don't think that you really had nearly as many you know bedroom artists so to speak as you do now, I mean the the, the, yeah. the influx of people who can just you know a hundred percent exist in their homes, you know, not not go out. You know, I, play I think shows. part of that is also due to
1: sort of the rise of like digital audio workstations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. as well. Like you know, the, I, the, the, that's the thing about these type of conversations is that they, there are just so many factors that come into play to produce these results. Yeah, that it's often um, you you can often sort of get lost in the weeds. Uh, you know, trying to figure out why almost, but yeah, absolutely.
0: Anyway. And I think it's interesting when that happens because uh, obviously, you know, definitely agree that uh, Beef Art's a great example too of, of when an artist can achieve that kind of unbridled creativity. And a lot of times it does happen early in the career when there really are no expectations. Uh, I've always found it interesting when artists use there are a couple of examples I have when they almost use their debut or their their um, when they arrive on the scene as a means of establishing themselves and then actually exploring what they want. And the two examples I have are Mac Miller actually when he debuted he was kind of a your your silly goofy pop rap, you know, pop rap, you know, whatever. Like he, no one took him seriously. He just was like a you know, your typical, you know, played on the radio whatever. And then as his career progressed, he took a very serious turn, like, down, you know, kind of, not, like, super abstract hip-hop, but very much more in line with kind of the underground trends. And yeah. I don't know if he outwardly said it, but I think he implied that, like, what he was doing now is what he, quote-unquote, really wanted to do. So kind of that he, either he was going on trends because he wanted to just make the scenes, but he really had, you know, in his heart wanted to do something different that was more, you know, more creative, um... It's interesting to think about. Another great example is uh, Shamir, who was released one of my favorite synth pop albums of the 2010s who? called Ratchet. Shamir?
1: I've never heard of Shamir.
0: He's, he's very, like, really fun. But he had a very high falsetto. Um, so he huh. released some really fun, um, groovy synth pop. And then his last several albums have been, like, indie folk, singer-songwriter. And it's something he talked about in interviews and he talked about, because I was trying to understand why, you know, why he went down that route. And I think it is, maybe it was partly he didn't like the fame, because there were a couple acoustic tracks in his debut, and he really just wanted to get back to his roots of just performing, you know, solo acoustic stuff. So I think in both those cases, the artist, after experiencing one aspect of fame and, like, you know, their career developing, it inspired them to truly go down a route of either it was, you know, a reaction or a rejection of what they did before, or maybe they're actually, you know, embracing what they wanted to do all along. I mean... Or they, there's the possibility also that, you know, they've...
1: that they, they grow in their tastes sure, as well yeah, as absolutely. a result of... Like, it doesn't... Fame doesn't necessarily have to... Or, like, success doesn't necessarily have to have this negative connotation to it. Yeah, absolutely. That it, like, I mean, I I think maybe that's what happened with Opeth is just like, you know, Akerfeld sort of started listening to more prog than he did metal, you know, possibly. Um, do you want to keep going or because I, I actually have a couple examples that now that I just thought of, um, but I I wanted you to finish your thought.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the, the one last example, I mean, this is kind of a, a, a softball one, but I mean, look at Miley Cyrus. I mean, her career, her career trajectory—it was a very obvious and clear. Her trying to, you know, reject um, what came before and go into a different direction.
1: I I would argue that I don't really know if it was her trying to reject or her publicists trying to reject it.
0: It, it could be like, a little bit of both. I mean, I, mean, I, yeah. I think whoever, whether it was a hundred percent her or the people around her, it was a, it was a very intentional hard pivot you know yeah. you know because a lot of people can't escape that you know that disney channel you know typecasting oh, yeah. and she certainly has <laughs> at this point she <laughs> yes. has yes she has for, for, for better or worse. i know I, I i would argue for worse but the, she the, 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 that's the
1: sad thing is like yeah she, she might have gotten out of the whole disney channel star thing but that doesn't mean like she's she, she still resigned to mediocrity yeah which is which is i i i that kind of makes me sad. It's uh, very funny. Uh, to yeah, she, totally she, honest.
0: she traded one like stereotype, typecast, whatever, for a completely for different. For another, yeah, like yeah, again. she shook the the original label, but only to take another equally strong, uh, <laughs> equally strong. Yeah. but yeah, I'm, I'm interested. You know, I'm interested to hear what what else you wanted to. Because I was
1: thinking of sort of sort uh, examples that you were bringing up, and I was, I think there are a couple other really interesting ones. I think first one that came to mind is John Linden, you know, uh, Johnny Rotten from the Sex Pistols. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, he starts off being just this kind of punk and then, uh, you know, and it, it, a lot of this was very orchestrated um, mm. as we found out over time. But there were a couple interviews. Uh, there's actually a book called By Simon Reynolds about uh, post-punk where he talks about um, sort of the end days of the Sex Pistols and the beginning of Public Image Limited. Um, but he specifically references this interview where, uh, John Linden just starts dropping like names like Stockhausen and just like talking about avant-garde music and, and like, I, it, it's just like such a whiplash in a way. If you're like, you know, a fan of all of the Sex festivals. Yes. I, <laughs> it, I would say. I, I Yeah. And so, you know, that ended up, you know, sort of launching him into making, you know, Public Image Limited, which was just like a completely different thing. Like, I, I mean, Metal Box is just a strange, strange
0: album, even by post punk standards. Yeah, I actually have not listened to Public Image Limited. Just one of those bands I oh, just haven't I, listened to, but I, I know that I feel like you would really like you would really like Public Image I, Limited. I bet I would, uh, but I think yeah, it's pretty clear. Even just from the presentation, it's pretty clear that they very. Quite a quite a shift from what, yeah. uh, the Sex Pistols had had done. Yeah,
1: exactly, and it's a, and I think you know I, you know maybe it's, you know it could be someone who's like okay we're gonna try to get in, by via pop, in a way, mm-hmm. but at the same time punk, e- even when it was being orchestrated by all these corporations, you know it was all about individuality and not in you know I think it's so you know it it kind of like, I I think it's just worth noting that there's no clear cut formula for success and there's no clear cut like theory of art or how artists work Mm um or like how they get successful you know basically um i would also i my other one i was thinking of was uh david tibet from uh current 93 Mm. um because you know have you ever listened to like really old current 93 albums
0: uh, there's so many that I don't... know. Yeah, oh, there are so a ton, but, like... How far back are you thinking? Their early stuff... Their
1: early stuff was basically Nurse with Wound, and, like, early, like, British oh, industrial Oh, interesting, because I haven't gone back yeah. that far. That's really cool to hear. Yeah, it, it, and so for a long time it was that, and then, uh, you know, he ended up getting more into, like, that neo-folk side of things. And making, um, I think, if I remember right, Swastikas for Naughty was the, uh... Sort of the big album mm-hmm. for him that was like him as like a neo folk kind of weirdo. Yeah, um, and it's just kind of he's been kind of on that trajectory since, which has been like yeah almost 30 years now, I think. That's, that's Possibly really interesting
0: because I had, I think the first one I heard was I think All My Little Horses or whatever that album's called. Yeah, I, All the Pretty Horses. All the Pretty Horses, yeah. And, something like that. that.
1: Actually, that, 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 it's a Cormac McCarthy book, so uh, maybe I'm thinking of a different name, but it's, it's something like it's that. It's something about, yeah, in that regard. So it's yeah. fascinating to, to, to hear that they, yeah. you know,
0: they've yeah. gone that route.
1: And it, it kind of, brings up like see like going into this i i had this i still have this idea about creativity because i i i think that there is something undeniable. like i i think more than anything else you gotta have that spirit in you Mm -hmm. you you gotta have that 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 burning for it you you gotta want it you know if if uh if you want to quote David Lee Roth, you got to bleed for it, baby. Yeah. Basically. Uh, I've been quoting Van Halen for like the past couple days. So, yeah. um, yeah. (laughs) You know, you you, got to roll with the punches to get to what's real. Uh, (laughs) Panama. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So because um, I was thinking about this a few weeks ago while I was reading this Beefheart book, because um, a lot of... You know, the most important artists in history were influenced by, like, these outsider weirdos who were just, like, you know, just kind of out there. Like, you ever heard of the Shags? That sounds familiar, but I I couldn't tell you what they sound like. They are, I I think they're from New Hampshire, actually. Oh. Um, I'd have to look into it, but they were this all-female rock group uh, that didn't know how to play their instruments at all uh their father i I think they were all sisters if i remember right their father kind of had the idea of starting a rock band and so they put this album together they had no musical knowledge whatsoever and this is an album that is beloved by like frank zappa of all people and like a bunch of other people and they think it's very good but when you listen to it it's like it 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 doesn't sound good (laughs) you know it, it it's but 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 there, it's I think it's like the room in in a way like the, there's there's something very appealing about you know having uh, just seeing someone follow their vision yeah whether it's you know regardless of the actual results of it it's like um, like Daniel Johnston is another great example because he, you know he was this person who just wanted to write and make music so much mm-hmm. that he that, that that was all he did you know and I mean it ended up you know kind of ruining his mind as a result Um, at least partially Um, you know but if you ever listen to a Daniel Johnson song there's this rawness about it and I think that that's what simultaneously attracts a lot of people but also turns them off from it because they aren't because I think a lot of people are used to like you know slick production and things that are more polished when you know I, I think people like Daniel Johnson people like Captain Beefheart people like the Shags. They're all like they, they they wear their heart on their sleeves mm-hmm. in in a way, and I I think there's something just so valuable about that, and I think there's something so genuine and sincere in it that it's you know like I I I feel like I feel like th- that's the thing that's missing with these people is that like like with these like you know shabazz palaces you know. With Opeth, you know, the dancing, it's that, like, they, it's not that they've lost their way. It's just that, like, that they don't have that fire as much anymore. And, like, you know, I I don't know why that is. I can't really tell you why. Maybe it's because they, you know, maybe they've gotten so rich that they just don't care anymore. Maybe they're surrounded by people who, you know, refuse to kind of, you know, light a fire under them and sort of challenge them with new things maybe they they're having issues with mental health or physical health you know like they, there, there's so many factors involved with all of this yeah. um but you know i i still think that the way to get back to that is to just do what you're going to do and not give a fuck about who cares about, about what anybody thinks about it and i think like that that's kind of what Eminem's problem is i i, I honestly think is that like you know, because, uh, you ever notice this, that, like, he has, like, in his early albums like, this reputation of, like, oh, I don't care what you think. I'm going to do whatever I want. Yeah. Right? It, like, it, he, it feels like he's, he's just, like, a shadow of that now. It's like, he's like, I don't care
0: what you, I don't care what you think, but but I actually do, actually. I know. <laughs> it is a very interesting, like, almost in the same breath, it, it, you yeah, know, he'll talk about... You know, like I, I'm a nonconformist, but please tell me yeah. what to do. <laughs> or, even when he'll like respond to, um, like he's issued some responses to some of the more controversial lyrics he's put out recently. You know, because obviously yeah. he's rapping in a very different time from when he debuted. You know, yeah. and he puts out these long statements that are you know passive aggressive and kind of snippety, and like yeah, talking about yeah. talking about how much he doesn't care, while in the process of taking the time to respond. Whereas I don't know if that's something you would do in the past, um, and I, I think I don't know. I think I, I, I think part of it is just because it's really it's. I think like like a, a different reason that you might lose that creative fire is it, it's hard, like you might just not. Yeah, I mean, it,
1: it, it's hard to be a genuine like you know it's 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 tough to be just sincere in this world it it really is yeah and it, it's you t-
0: t- it's tough to go back to the drawing board time, especially if if you're you know obviously you know now notwithstanding with our current environment but like when you go to the process of write an album record tour do it again and just doing that over and over and over again people get burnt out especially as you get older like you know younger bands oh, that yeah. you know once you you know, you get married, you have kids. You know the touring life, which was really fun when you were younger. You're like, you know what? I'm not really. I mean, that that's why. I mean, some, I mean... some people just hate touring to begin yeah, with. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, obviously, it, it depends on the band. There are some older bands that still do absolutely absurd long runs, but a lot of older bands, you know, they used to do like a thirty-plus date run, and now they only do like ten or fifteen because it's just you know touring isn't as fun anymore and that kind of can carry into your, your general creative process like if you just are are you burnt out on every aspect of what it means to be a musician like is it not fun anymore I mean there are, you know in every profession there are people I mean it's why you know athletes retire it's why any number of people retire is that they just you know the passion isn't there anymore and it really sucks and you know it might not be the reason that everyone loses that you know that creative juice so to speak but See, I, 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 wonder
1: whether, like, if it is, like, I wonder if there's a cure to being burnt out in a way of just, like, because I, I really think there's, there's a genuine power in not giving a fuck, uh-huh. <laughs> it, which is just a very blunt way to put it, but, um, because, like, I, I think, I, I, I wonder if you get to that point when you're touring that, like, you know. Maybe it's because of expectations, like that the audience expects, you know, something out of you. That like, oh, you're like you're Aerosmith. You're always gonna make a hard rock, you know, album that has like kind of a blues edge to it. Like you're never gonna do anything else. Yeah. Like you know, I and I I think maybe people just kind of get stuck in that, and you know that kind of sucks. And it's it, I I think a lot of this honestly comes from, uh, well, this is gonna be weird, but like people like us, you know, like I I think the more we start, like, judging music as good or bad, I, I I think that we're causing more problems than we're actually solving, in a way. Like, just... I, we, we, because they don't really... They don't really mean anything. Like, because, I mean, again, we, we, we look at, like, the Shags, we look at Daniel Johnson, we look at all these, you know, so-called outsider artists, you know, and we see how much of an impact they've had on music. I mean, but when, when Daniel Johnston died, like the whole internet was, was like in like a tizzy, or or at least the music scene was anyway, Mm -hmm. because he was just such a fundamental part of it. uh, Even though most people had never even heard of him.
0: Yeah. And I feel like that's an interesting, like the way that a listener engages with, with music is very different from how a musician might engage with music. Like, I I mean,
1: like part of it is, is, is that it's become a, I mean, it's, it's a commodity now. And yeah I, I think you know you when you think like you know either a commodity is good or bad. Yeah. And like that isn't the way to think about the creative process and you know creativity in general it's 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 expression it's pure expression it doesn't it shouldn't have to be uh you know with like like it doesn't it shouldn't have to be like holding some sort of value to it because it just is what it is.
0: Yeah, and I think it's interesting that we, you know, in some ways we like when our artists are complex, but uh, if it means that they explore that complexity by changing up their sound in a way we don't like, you know, we're not really, you know, we're not really stoked about it. I mean, that was something that I always, I always thought was interesting, and now I think it's even more interesting looking back, is when the deathcore, metalcore, like the bands I used to, I remember there was one band, I forget who it was, but, um, you know, typical breakdown-centric
1: Oh, what, what, was court. that contortionist?
0: No, I, I don't remember. But uh, like, one of the band members was wearing a sleep shirt, and I was like, "What? Like that's weird. Like, why would they? Mm-hmm. Like, I thought that was so strange." I'm like, "But you don't make doom metal. Like, why would you listen to that?" But of course, that's an absurd thing to say because yeah. you know, any any number of, of you know any musician who makes any type of music, can, you know, they don't just listen to that style of music. And it brings me back to high school when one of my you know the one band that surfaced. Well, that's not true. A couple couple of my friend groups. There were different bands that formed, but there was one band in particular where every member had different. Like the one thing that tied them together was like metalcore, but all of they they all had a unique. Like the guitarist was really into like Metallica and like classic metal. The lead singer was into like all like the Hot Topic scene core. The bass.
1: This, this is basically like hardcore boy bands. <laughs> like, like, he's he's the cute one. He's the mysterious <laughs> one.
0: <laughs> but then the um like the bassist really liked uh, Rise Against and like Bad Religion and punk and stuff. The drummer um he just liked really energy like he had a big dubstep phase. Like he just really liked that <laughs> energi- energetic like of oh, the bass drop kind of so like that's why he liked doing the breakdowns and stuff. So like. If They obviously didn't make it big, you know, R.I.P. But, like, let's, let's say they made it and they were, like, a big metalcore band and then they all did off, you know, offshoot and did their own solo stuff that fit their other interests. People might be like, oh, like, that's so... You know, that's strange, you know, why would you do that? But people are complex. And even within their own yeah. discographies, you know, artists have different interests that they might want to explore. N- I mean... Nurgle? Yeah. Fucking Nurgle, man. But putting out a fucking country album. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, and there's, there's artists who... Um like uh Aesop Rock, for example. The fact that he you know, he put out that um that album, I forget her name. She's a folk artist, the unincluded, where it was kinda like a folk rap album. And then, you know, his, what? his Seriously? Yeah, it was called the Uncluded. I think it's the that's what it's called. But yeah, I haven't listened to it in a long time, so I don't know exactly what it sounds I like. I, I have never heard of that. But yeah, no. like I know that he collaborated with a folk artist and then obviously um He's collaborated with all manners of of producers, including most re- recently Tobacco, who makes very flashy, you know, electronic-based beats. So, I think hip hop it's a little bit easier to flex your styles because you know if you're a talented MC, you can kind of rap over a number of different, you know, a no- number of different beats. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think that, and, and it is interesting. I think we see this a lot in metal. Is that we have a very like we almost expect too much of artists is that we we don't we don't we don't want them to change like if they change their sound too much you know metal fans especially get really and this is true for other genres but just specifically in metal if they get too experimental or too soft or whatever you know people freak out on the other hand like if they just kind of tread the exact same ground for too long. It's like, oh, well, they're boring. Like, this is, you know, their last album was better. So, like, metal bands, once they get a certain age, have to strike this almost impossible middle ground. Yeah. Where, like, they're which, they're not doing exactly I, the same thing, but they're also not doing anything new. <laughs> I, I I think the answer to
1: that is kind of doing neither and simply being yourself. Yeah. And following what is in your heart, in a way, which sounds totally, like, an after-school special, Um, but... That's true, though. I think... Yeah, because, I mean, look, there are are bands, like, I mean, Protest the Hero is a good example of, like, a band who has pretty much made very similar albums for their entire career. You know, they they, they all have a very distinct sound to them. Like, you you know when you're listening to Protest the Hero. Yeah. But that doesn't make them a bad band. Like, I, I think every album that they've done has been incredible. Like... You know, and it's because they stick to their guns. Like they they know what they want in a way, and you know they're they just want to make it in a way. And you know sometimes not everybody's going to be into that. Like I know, I'm pretty sure their bassist quit over the last uh, like album cycle. Um, possibly their drummer too. Yeah, but I think the drummer quit before. And I think on Volition, I think it was Chris Adler from Lamb of God on drums. Out of all people.
0: Yeah, that really right. that sounds right. I'm pretty yeah. yeah I knew that they got but, you know relatively big name
1: to fill in. Yeah, and uh, it's, but but it's just like you know they they follow what they want to play at the moment, and like then they take that so far that they do it in their business practices as well. Like that you know with the whole Pacific Myth EP, mm-hmm. like that was them just being like we want to try this new thing because you know the regular album cycle sucks, and we don't we, we want to try other options. Yeah, you know exactly uh, you know it, it is, I, I think that's just like if you look at every like I think all of the albums that we consider the greatest and the most important come from these people who are just uncompromising in their you know in, in wanting to just follow their own musical passion and play to their own drum um, so to speak you know it's it's about just sincerity i th- i honestly believe that uh that being said very hard to do that um especially when you have you know a lot of pressure coming from nearly every angle you know you have fans who want certain things so you know and especially like with just social media you you can just get like lambasted for it uh for not doing you know the right thing quote unquote yeah
0: exactly and that's why i I'd, lo- I'd love to know just how like like Mikhail Alkerfeldt's, like his unfiltered opinion because I, I find it really difficult to believe that he isn't at all like maybe he's just annoyed that people don't like the new direction Opeth's taken, but like he makes it seem like he doesn't care at all, it doesn't face him, he doesn't even see like any he doesn't even understand well, like,
1: to to be fair, like I, I, I think you know, all all the media tends to spin things in certain directions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in with, you know, with music news, it is no different whatsoever. Like I, I remember just, you know, like people will always say really stupid stuff and then like, uh, you know, like metal sucks or what have you, they, they'll just quote that one stupid part and take it completely out of context.
0: Yeah. I I mean, yeah. I think the interviews Sorry. I've read, it seems like he, it's, it seems genuine and, and I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong. Like I, I think it, it is. I disagree I, I, with the I, way I, I I just feel like we're
1: not seeing the whole picture, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but I mean
0: in any case, I do wonder how I mean, how do they because clearly now they're you know, what, four albums into this different different trajectory? Well, and, Heritage,
1: Pale Communion, yeah, uh, sorceress and then yeah, the Kadati Venenum. <laughs>
0: Yeah and you know look at another band like, you know, Morbid Angel. Like I wonder, you know, what their, you know, unfettered opinion of the backlash on, you know, would they agree like, yeah, that was kind of a fuck up. You know, g-
1: g- can we go off topic for a second about about Illid sanus whatever. Sure. Be, be, because I I mean, okay, to be fair, I've not listened to this album. Um I really don't have any interest in it to be totally honest. Um but I, I don't think that it's actually as bad as people make it out to be. Oh, no, it's not. I mean, it definitely, if you, I mean... I, like, I, I, I think it's more like if, Morbid's name, if, if Morbid Angel's name wasn't attached to it, it wouldn't nearly have the backlash it does right now.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean the, the actual, because I think what people don't realize, there are actual death metal songs on there. Like, there are songs that, if, if they just released an EP, and took so, because the industrial tracks are bad, like, I'm not gonna, like, they're not, they're not well done, even by, you know, you know, even if you don't like industrial metal, I think even you could understand, or rather maybe that's not the way to word it, but like, even if you like industrial metal, you could say, yeah, these aren't well done. But there mm-hmm. are good tracks in that. Like, it's not, un, you know, like you're saying, it's not an unmitigated disaster like people make it out to be, but I think that that is the the way people view things, is music is kind of a, you know, it's it's very much a... Either or, like either it's bad or it's not. There isn't a ton. There yeah, isn't it, nearly as it, much. I mean, of course, there are people who say, like, you know, it's
1: they, it's very absolutist. Yeah, like people. Yeah, are, it, it. I. I mean, if you want to take this even further, I, I. would argue that most people are very absolutist in just pretty much every aspect of their daily lives.
0: Yeah, and certainly, uh-huh. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that people never like take a a middle ground. or like, they never think an album is you know okay, or they feel lukewarm about it. But I think yeah. definitely more so than not the idea is like did you like it or did you not like it so yeah which is which is really i mean like, like i i
1: kind of get like it's in a way it's it's sort of the gas that keeps the machine pumping yeah in a way Be, because you know you you get people like your stuff you you get all the lists you get all you know if you like it's, it's like scarface you know but for first you get the power then then you get the money the, then you get the women or <laughs> whatever or however that goes yeah. um yeah, it's just, like... Like, it, I just wish it didn't work like that, personally, because... And, I mean, I think some people might view what I'm saying as, like, oh, you know, she's just being a softie, in a way, and just, you know, like, oh, she like she doesn't want her own writing to be, you know, uh, criticized. And that that's not really the case. It's more just, like, I, I just think it's really superficial to just, like, you know, toss away an album that you don't like and say that it's garbage, like... You know, like, I I have an album on my shelf by Mississippi John Hurt. I am not a fan of this album. But at the same time, there are a lot of people who really like it. And it's just like, okay, so they can enjoy it. I'm I'm not. I'm just going to kind of keep to myself about it. Like, it's, I, I, I just don't see why we have to be so extreme either way, I guess, about it. Like, you know, music has irreparably changed my life for the better. But at the same time, I, I don't want to go and preach, you know, John Zorn to everybody. You know, like it's, it, it just seems, like like what's the fucking point of doing that?
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and that's why. I mean, I I I actually don't remember the last negative review I wrote because I don't I don't see much of a point. I mean, I think if you want to add to the only negative reviews I've I've written in in the last several years are either a I, I really. I think it was. Is that Rotting Christ album? Was oh no, it was um,
1: Tombs. I think ch- Tombs. Is, I, I I don't remember. I remember you doing a Rotting Christ review that was like scathing.
0: Was it? I don't yeah, remember reviewing
1: Rotting. Christ. I'm gonna look it up now. I mean, since, since we're kind of off the rails anyway, this, <laughs> this is kind of a free episode. Um, Rotting Christ heavy blog.
0: I don't remember um, reviewing yeah. Rotting Christ
1: i I remember seeing this thing because it was just like I was like, whoa, scoots <laughs>
0: oh I'm curious
1: yeah i'm I'm curious now too i i don't it, i mean it must have been just years and years ago um running craze. maybe that was it Katea... Tan daimona no i I don't think this is hmm, i don't know uh they i i do specifically remember us doing a uh rotting christ uh talk about it, like because i i think it was you who did the review and it was like you were just like not a fan of it
0: but yeah and i've tried to move away from that because i don't think it's super constructive like i remember i did yeah i think i iter- like, i mean it's it,
1: it, it's in the past like I, I it's it's not like i i'm i don't want to be one of those people who's just going to dredge things up um that you know have you know I, I, the past is the past now is now
0: yeah, and I think that if you want to add to the discourse, that's one thing. But I think, yeah, just hating things to hate things is not... Like, there's no value in that. Like, basically doing, like, a ship post review. I mean, what's, what's to be gained there? And yeah. I think that indirect... I mean, obviously people have the right to say whatever they want, but it's... Yeah. I think that that's what contributes to... Um, artists maybe feeling self-doubt or whatever is that people just being over because i i do wonder how because i've written negative reviews before that um there's one artist in particular who took the time to email me and said that they appreciated my perspective you know obviously they didn't agree because they wrote the album and they they like it unsurprisingly but they you know they appreciated my my perspective and the way that I, i presented it you know so you know i definitely appreciated that but I think if I had just been like, you know what, this album really, you know, blows chunks and no one should ever listen <laughs> to it. Like, well, who is that for? Like, what, you know, what, what does that accomplish? And, yeah, I, I you know, I, I
1: almost want to play devil's advocate, though, and look at it from another point of view with self doubt. What if self doubt comes from someone being so successful that they don't know what to do next?
0: Yeah. And I think that's a great example um, with, with Disclosure, which was, you know, obviously, you know, th- this is part of what kicked out of this conversation. They were a yeah. relatively successful underground house band, and they had released a bunch of EPs. They did some DJ sets and remixes, stuff like that, some just four-to-the-floor kind of stuff where it's very much just dance, you know, dance fodder. And on their debut, Settle, they they had, a, like, a lot of features, but they're relatively mid, um, I guess, like, mid-tier in the English pop world. Like, people, you know, there were people that were were known but not super super popular it's funny mm-hmm. actually is sam smith got his start from being on a disclosure song Wait, seriously yeah he he was not i mean he was around but he wasn't super well known he was on the song latch which was a huge smash and then he released his debut and it took off and then ironically after sam smith had his time in the limelight latch got back on the radio because it was a period where it was on the radio then it stopped and then once sam smith blew up you know, it kind of went full circle. People, huh. Yeah, it was it was interesting. But th- that's what they did is that they were able to have that balance between what they were doing and not have the feature overtake them. And they had a huge success making house music that was also essentially synth pop dance pop, like they really struck that balance really well, where it could achieve both, you know, it could you could hear on the radio, you could also hear it in the club. Um, and I think that striking that balance again while also being on a higher profile and being able to achieve, you know, to get better features, really, the pressure was too much for them. Because they ended up getting The Weeknd, Miguel, Lord, Like, they got some really big names for their second mm. album. And it just did not work. Like, they did not gel nearly as well with those big stars. Um, and ever since, I feel like they just have not because since then they've released a bunch of VPs that have kind of been all over the place in terms of what they're trying, because I, I don't think they know. I don't think they know what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it's just it's a combination of hitting that sweet spot in your career and then like, okay, where do we go from here? Um, I, I, I think there's also... I, I think what I meant
1: also is just the, the pressure of like, I think, you know, you have all this acclaim, but it's like if you divert from your sound that just gave you that acclaim all that all that shit can just go away exactly immediately. exactly you know and it's so it's it's like what do you do like and, and some of it is like you know like i think people expect the same thing you know but what if like you don't feel like the same thing like like i know that when i'm done like i mean i've written two novels and like after i've finished each one i never wanted to look at it again <laughs> And so it's just like I, I can only imagine for a musician it must be even worse because like you, you're you you're recording this stuff often just like many, many times over just to make sure you get the takes right. You know, and you're working on this thing, you know, sometimes like in Scott Walker's case, you're working on it for like a decade or more. And, it, you know, I, I, I just like how are you not sick of it after after all that? Um, also, I just wanted to because we, you brought up um, this little thing about EPs at the beginning. Of this conversation, mm-hmm. that um, that like EPs, that like that you you get kind of tired of like singles or like stuff from EPs showing up in albums.
0: Um Or not that necessarily I get tired of it, but just that you know something. It's very it's very or common just, that whether a label, yeah, I
1: guess I guess th- that it happens. Yeah,
0: either a label um, will rec- you know kind of mandate it or a, a band will be like, we really like this song or it's a fan favorite, and they'll they'll just you know pull it from the EP well, onto there. Is- yeah. This is
1: a strange thing, but I uh I actually for a long time did not even know that EPs contain original material. Really? Yeah. Because I, I like it felt like most of the EPs I had known about just like all the tracks showed up on like the band's next full length. Oh that's funny. And, um for instance, <laughs> um how did Story Angels put out this E P before their debut album that literally just had tracks from the album and it was like what was the point of this like (laughs) um you know so like for a long time i i felt like eps were just like this this it was just like almost like a promotional type of thing like you know like 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 the musical equivalent of a game demo yeah that's just like here's your little taste and then you know you got to pay for the real thing Um, that's really funny Yeah, it's, like, that's the thing, is, like, there are some things, like, I mean, this is hardly new for me, in a way, just of, like, being so clueless about simple things like this, (laughs) like, it's, I, we could do an entire episode just talking about the stupid stuff I used to think about, so, um, (laughs) we will not, but, um, I
0: guess... Do you have any final thoughts on this? No, this has been an interesting conversation. I think the yeah. reason we we kind of touched on different points and jumped around is because it really is an inexact science, and obviously we can't we can't be inside of what artists are thinking. We can't get inside their yeah. head and think, you know, what caused them. Uh, but it is something we encounter on an annual basis when an artist we love releases a new album. It's like what what was the thought process there? You know, what what made them? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, sometimes it's a good thing where. They take a, a, a huge leap forward in, um, you know, the quality, or they take a huge, you know, different direction, or whatever. You're like, wow, like what what inspired that? And then obviously, you know, a lot of the examples we talked about being, you know, somewhat negative. It's like, wow, like what what the hell happened, man? So yeah, and you know, sometimes you can have, um, you know, like there was a, a a tragedy in their personal life or something that kind of inspired them to take that approach, or you learn about the context. But other times, you just have to speculate. You know, is the the way that we run discourse in in the current music landscape or, you know, the way that um, the pressure is put on artists, does that contribute to, you know, them dropping a dud or or being unsure about their next release? So it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
1: it really is. Um, Yeah, I I don't really know if we got to the heart of the conversation, but I I don't, it's a very nebulous topic to begin with. Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm not gonna beat myself up over it. Um, let's talk about albums of the week. So uh, Scoots, you got an album of the week for me?
0: I do. Um, it's getting nicer out, and when it gets nice out, I like to, um, I like to put the windows down and put on some hip hop. And hmm. there's one beat that just, oh, I I I, I think that. Easily like top five hip hop beat, just so amazing. And all caps? No, not that. Oh. That is that is in the top five. Very good. You, oh, you, nice. You know yeah. me well, but just remember all caps when you spell <laughs> the, spell man the name. man's name. But the one I'm talking about is "None Pass" by Aesop Rock, ah, which is cool. on the album "None Pass. Pass" by Aesop Rock, and uh, you know I, I, I admittedly have not given um newer asap rock as much airtime just because i'm really fond of like i I own labor days on vinyl i love that a lot um i love skeleton and i don't have it for some reason uh i thought i did i I think you had
1: it on cd at one point i might have sold
0: it because i'm a moron but uh, yeah yeah. like you should have just given it to me yeah no that's fair (laughs) so i need i need to find it again but I, i had for a while i was looking for None Shall pass, and when I found a relatively cheap copy at Newbury, just it was one of those. As soon as you, I mean, we, we both had that. As soon as you see it, you grab it, like no, no oh, hesitation. Yeah. And just some fantastic, um, fantastic production. I think mostly handled by Blockhead, um, but it's interesting because yeah. I also, you know, listening to and loving the new Run the Jewels album, and it was cool. Really, to, it was cool to hear LP Papa. I forgot he was on None Shall Pass, and I forget if he does production, but. Um, it's funny how his his rapping style really hasn't changed much. Well, I, I uh, always felt like LP was like more of a producer. Yeah, he he, than, than he a rapper. He but. he's released some of his own solo. I mean, obviously he um he popped up here and there on uh you know, the the Cold Vein yeah. and and uh, Fun Crusher Plus. Um but yeah, I was it was great to just, you know, the the wind was whim was whipping, you know, relatively nice nice out and, and bumping some hip hop. I mean, it, not exactly the type of hip hop that most people, you know, bump in the whip, but it was um it's a little, it was uh it was fun. It was, Make, it was making that booty shake. I, right. Uh but, you know, like people not, are pe- not non image I ever want in my mind. <laughs> like um, the, the other people are playing the new Future album on on <laughs> on full blast, and here I am listening to songs with uh, Lord of the Rings references. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, if you were any more of a dad, you'd put on Run DMC. <laughs> oh, jeez! You know, at some point, I've never listened to a full Run DMC album, but I really should I, give it. I have so little interest. I know, like I, pardon me, just wants to give it a shot, just to say I've done it. But man, some the, the songs I've heard, I'm like, wow, yeah. Like you got, you got to understand the context, but even so, it's like, oh no, thank you.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm curious though because you said you were listening to the new Run the Jewels album. Uh, what what are your thoughts on that? I real I liked it. I I, I don't think, um, because you went into the like having doubts.
0: Like I still don't love, ooh la la. But I think after listening to it more, because obviously it's, it's you know one of the first tracks on the album. I, I just don't like the hook is annoying, but it's it's kind of. In an infectious level of annoying. Like, I found myself throughout the day just being like, ooh, la, la, ah, wee, wee. And then I'm like, I fucking hate myself. Because, like, (laughs) I think it is annoying, but it's... I think the rest of the song is really cool. And there are a lot of great beats um, to go along with. uh, They do... Because they've kind of... One common criticism around the jewels is they both do use more or less the same flows throughout their, you know, pretty much every song. Um, but they do switch it up a lot more than... Or maybe not a lot more, but definitely noticeably more than they have in the past. And I think something that they moved towards um, is creating better albums in a way. Because I feel like their first two, they're more focused on creating bangers and individual tracks that were memorable. And I feel mm-hmm. like the, like, you know, with 3 and 4 they're a little bit more focused on the album experience. Uh, I think they're all great in different ways. You know, I've always loved Run the Jewels. Um, so, yeah.
1: Nice. Interesting. Um, so, I... My the Week... Uh, it, it, it was a tough one, but I ended up listening to it today, and uh, it's one of your favorite artists, Scott. Um, okay. This is uh, When the Pawn by uh, Fiona Apple. Ooh! Yeah, I'm not even gonna say the full title because I just don't have the patience. Yeah, we don't don't get time for that. Yeah, uh, I yeah I well so I've been meaning to l- listen to that and fetch the bulk cutters which I, I have yet to listen to but, uh yeah I just had it on today I was very impressed by it, um uh, I I just her voice is magnetic yeah just on on like a level that like I I don't think I've ever heard before. Like I, I I don't know maybe maybe it has to do with the production that like and sort of like how they mixed her voice, but she has just this very strong, like, you know, s- like sensibility around it. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 very dominating, and, and like I really like that. And I love the way she you know bends a lot of notes, and just makes every the, everything have like this bluesy edge to it. Yeah, um, and just sort of the introduction like like how you know, because she plays piano on
0: the album, right? Uh, on most... I think they're... Yeah. I'm pretty sure almost yeah. all, the, all her tracks she plays piano.
1: Yeah. And so, like, you know, you have that, but then you also have, like, some other elements that are added to it. Like, uh, like, sometimes you have a little, like, little bit of a hip-hop beat, almost. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was just really, really amazed by this thing. And, uh, I mean, I, I'm kind of mad that it took so long to finally get to it, but, um yeah, consider me a Fiona Apple fan. So (laughs) great.
0: I mean, that's, yeah, I I love, because frankly, if you listen to, I think if you listen to just the instrumentals of her music, you'd like it, but certainly not as much, but I, yeah, I think her, her voice is absolutely what, what ties her albums together. I
1: I would really like to see her do an album kind of like Grimes, or not Grimes, uh, Grouper's Ruins. Oh, that'd be really cool. Of just her and piano. Oh, like I, I, I think, because like there's something about that that like I just think is really cool
0: and I think she has the perfect voice and the perfect piano skills for it. yes, no that that um, that is yeah there there are some songs in her discography that that hint towards that, but it would be great yeah. to see her fully embrace that kind of that kind of you know approach to an album. so yeah
1: I I think that would just be really cool. but um yeah, okay, that has been our episode today thanks a lot thanks as always and yeah we'll be back next week all right see ya bye, bye. thanks for listening guys and uh if you're interested uh you know if you want to hear more just you know listen to us on uh iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, We're on all of it. Uh, If you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you.
0: And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about, or questions, anything like that, uh, be sure to email us. Yeah,
1: Uh, we're at at Podcast on Twitter. And our email, I think, is Podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.